Greetings, Rebel fans. My name is Jason Kelly, and this is the Let's Run Podcast. Tonight on the show, the pitchforks have been put away as the Rebels uh, get a little bit of revenge for their embarrassing home loss uh, up in Colorado against the Air Force Academy. I want to thank you for checking out the show. Let's get into it. So a few encouraging things to take away from tonight's game. Uh, obviously, because of the Rebels lost by such a wide margin uh, to Air Force at home, uh, perhaps we have a bit of a elevated opinion of how good this Air Force team really is. However, you know, going up and getting a road on the win is always a good thing in the Mountain West, and especially beating a team uh, that embarrassed you so thoroughly on your home court feels pretty good. So I have some big takeaways from this game, some things that I think that the Rebels need to implement. There's still a couple minutes left in the game as I'm recording this podcast. However, I, you know, I'm busy, so I got to get into it a little bit. <laughs> I got to speed things up. So if I get the chance to record a little early, I will. So let's go over some of the positives that I saw from tonight. So the Rebels came out and I thought they were playing with fire a little bit early on in the game as Air Force was getting a lot of good looks, uh, but just wasn't knocking them down. And I think that that's kind of indicative of, you know, that first that first game in Vegas, Air Force was probably playing about as well as they can play. And especially with the three-point line, uh, you're going to get some, some weird results. However, um, tonight Air Force kind of came back to earth a little bit. They probably had a worse game uh, than perhaps they uh, normally would have um but i thought that unlv did a pretty good job of shutting down uh driving lanes and backdoor cuts they still didn't guard the three-point line very well but um overall defensively i thought that this was uh one of their better performances they've had um rob whaley jr has been just an absolute monster in this game uh, as of right now with uh, a couple minutes to go he's you know at 15 points uh, six of seven from the field, just an absolute beast. Uh, Caleb Boone, I was really happy with tonight because he sometimes he kind of settles for the three, and I liked how he was attacking the rim, uh, using his size and athleticism to kind of bound towards the rim. Um, good performance from him. Not a great performance from Luis. Uh, Luis's three-point shooting has has really fallen off lately. Um, DJ had, you know, not a spectacular game, didn't really score a ton. Uh, but you know, something surprising to me, he's only had one assist, uh, but as far as I can see, uh, no turnovers and really the most encouraging thing that you can take away from this game is the bench has been a help again. Brooklyn Hicks had a solid game, not many points, only, only finishes with around five points. He might get a couple more here in the last minute or so. Um, but Jackie Johnson, I thought, had a pretty good game attacking the rim. Didn't hit any threes, but I like Jackie maintaining some level of aggression. Um, and Caleb Boone had a nice uh, kind of rebounding effort. Uh, didn't start the game out great, but uh, is playing better. As, as the game has gone on, he's played uh, considerably better. So overall, a pretty good performance from the team. But I do have a hot take about how the Rebels play. So I believe that UNLV uh, desperately needs a new starting lineup. Now, 
the Rebels have had some success with this starting lineup. However, um, as Mike Ramala pointed out in the uh, Las Vegas Sun, the starting lineup of uh, the lineup of DJ, Luis, uh, Keelan, Rob, and Caleb has logged 62 minutes together and has been outscored. Uh, they're a minus one um, on on the season. Uh, so not a great plus minus. Now, plus minus isn't a perfect stat. Uh, however, I do think when there's reasoning behind the plus minus, it makes sense. Um, so the reason why I think that Caleb Boone should be put to the bench and that uh, Justin Webster should start is one, I just think with the lack of three-point shooting, this team is going to struggle in general. Uh, we were kind of skating by against lesser competition um, and against a New Mexico team that doesn't tend to hit a lot of threes. But And I know that Justin has not played well from the perimeter this year. But at some point, you have to have guys that can that can shoot it. And so I think playing Jackie and Justin and, instruct, and Brooklyn and instructing all three of them, let it fly when you're open for three. Don't just, you know, I, I think having Rob and Caleb on the court and when you're alternating between posting up the two, it stagnates the offense a little too much, uh, lessens the amount of physicality that the guys are playing with. And so ultimately, I think that a lineup change, uh, putting in, I'd be okay with Jackie, but Justin's probably a little bit better defensively than Jackie is. And putting in Justin for Caleb would make the most sense for me. As many minutes as Rob can play, I think you have to play him. He's just been too effective when he's been on the court this year. We really have to focus on keeping him out of foul trouble. But uh, no complaints with Rob. As many minutes as he can handle, you should get. And I think that you know retaining him and keeping him on the court as much as possible in this final stretch of the year um, is going to be is going to be critical. But yeah, I, I, I think that you got to let Jackie and Justin play, and you can't as. Obviously, you know, with Rob and Caleb being among your best players, they're going to have to share the court at some point in the game. Uh, so I'm not claiming that they they never can be on the court together. But I think separating them gives each of them more space to attack and pass out of double teams. Uh, even if the guys that they're passing to, whether that be Jackie or Brooklyn or Justin, aren't taking threes when they receive the pass, they can attack closeouts. Teams will still close out on Justin Webster. It may not be as hard. They may not be glued to him in the corner, but they will still close out on him. And so I think putting in some a little bit more spacing, even if it's not spacing in, in, in a traditional three-point fence, even if it's just spacing on having guys that can attack closeouts, is very useful. Having two guys on the court in both Caleb and Rob that can attack a closeout, I think ends up hurting the team a little bit. Now, uh... If Justin's 0 for 6 from 3, maybe you can go back to that lineup. But I think the Rob and Caleb, I'm not sure that Kruger will actually do this, but I think the Rob and Caleb lineup uh, is a little too flawed to play 25 minutes plus together. Uh, and so, yeah, that was basically my biggest takeaway from this game. Uh, that and that it was nice to see the guys um, play a little bit better um, after that Reno loss. Uh, that, that was a brutal game, and to see the guys kind of come out and play hard uh, was definitely something good. So the other big takeaway that I that I think about this game is that um, I'm just not sure that so, something that I saw uh, when, when I traveled to Albuquerque to watch the Rebels play a game at the pit uh, was Kruger using his bench depth. 
Now, I'm not sure that I like Carl Jones playing a ton, but I do know that Carl Jones has been better than um, Isaiah Cottrell has been, at least in theory. Uh, Cottrell just really hasn't been able to get it together this year. I, I don't quite know what to do with him. I think he's a good player with talents. You know, there's a reason why he was a highly ranked and highly touted player out of high school. But for whatever reason, I he just haven't been able to get it together. So hopefully in the offseason, if he decides to come back, which I think he should, I think he's a good good enough player that he probably should come back. Um, I hope he can put on some muscle. But I do think that using guys like Noel, Cottrell, and Jones, uh, kind of to keep his players fresh is a good idea and to keep them out of foul trouble. Not using them a ton. You don't want them to play 20 minutes, 15 minutes but just a little bit to kind of help his guys out and give them a little bit of rest. Um, I think that's a good idea. And it, I saw it work in New Mexico. UNLV's players were more fresh at the end of the game than the Lobos were. And so I think that's a strategy that they can and should employ uh, kind of as the games are, are ending this year. I'm hoping they do it against Colorado State on Saturday. Um, something else that I noticed a little bit was... I, I kind of want Brooklyn Hicks to be able to attack off the dribble just a little bit more. Oh, let's go. Brooklyn just hit a three. minute, About a minute to go. That's beautiful. I'd love to beat Air Force by 32. Uh, it doesn't look like we're quite going to get there, but um, I just want to see Brooklyn take a little bit more initiative with the offense. And I think, one, playing the bench guys a little bit more, and two, um, not playing both Caleb and Rob together uh, will be able to do that. Go, Justin. All right. Good job, Brooklyn. Got another rebound. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of my big takeaways about this game. Uh, I kind of want to get into the Mountain West in general and our upcoming huge game at home against Colorado State on Saturday. So the uh, New Mexico Lobos won a thrilling game against Colorado State tonight uh, down at the pit. Uh, that put Colorado State at six losses. The Rebels are currently at five. Uh, their remaining schedule is, um, it's got some traps, but I do think it's, it, it, it's, it's got some good stuff. So I just kind of want to run through, uh, for you here. So they're going to play at home against Colorado state. That game's a must win, especially after losing that Reno game, uh, in such excruciating fashion, uh, the rebels really need to pull that one out and I'm confident that they will. Um, I'll I might do a podcast before the game. I'm not 100% sure, uh, but I might. Um, and then they play on the road at Wyoming. That's a trap game. Uh, Wyoming has beaten Reno, has beaten uh, Colorado State at on their home court uh, up in Laramie. So that's kind of a trap game. The Rebels can't really afford to lose that game at all. Uh, next week when they play at Wyoming and then at home against uh, San Jose State, uh, the Rebels are going to have to win both of those games. And I'm confident that they will. I, I, I think the Rebels are are going to. That's going to end... Uh, you're going to end up with a two-game kind of... I don't know if gauntlet's the right word, but you're going to end with San Diego State at home, a team that we have not beaten the Thomas and Mac since 2017, and Reno at home. Uh, sorry, away. And the Rebels have to win one of those games. Uh, preferably you'd like them to win both of them, uh, but they do have to win one of them. And that would put them at a record of 11 and six in the Mountain West. Uh, sorry, uh, 11 and six. 
uh, 11 and seven or 12, no, it'd be 12 and six. It'd be 12 and six. If they, if they only lose two more games, I'm sorry, they would be 11 and seven, not 12 and six. 11 and seven might be enough to get them a top five seed in the Mountain West Conference tournament, but I'm honestly not certain that it will. Uh, frankly, I, I think that they're going to have to uh, make sure that they, I think, I think they kind of have to win out to give themselves a guaranteed spot in the Mountain West tournament. And while I don't have a ton of faith that they will do that, uh, a win like tonight, where the Rebels won by 29, I believe, uh, helps a little bit. And so the tiebreaker scenarios, as we get closer to the end of the year, I'll break them down in detail for you. Uh, a lot of it's going to depend. You know, If we can't beat Colorado State at home on Saturday, then none of this is going to matter that much. Um, however, if the rebels could win out by some miracle, which I'm, I'm not sure that they will, but in fact, I, obviously they, they probably and very likely won't. Uh, but if they could win out, they'd give themselves maybe even a shot at the championship. Now, if they can only lose one more game, they would throw themselves in a tiebreaker scenarios and they would have two things going for them. They'd have a tiebreaker over Boise state. Although I'm not sure that Boise state going to get to six losses. I'm pretty sure that they're. They're going to stay at five. They'll lose at San Diego State to end the year. Um, and so I'm not sure that a tiebreaker for Boise is ever actually going to be relevant. Uh, they would hold a tiebreaker possibly over Colorado State, San Diego State, um, maybe depending on if they were able to beat both of those teams, the margin of victory. The one team that uh, the Rebels should be rooting for as long as um, they don't pass the Rebels in the standings is New Mexico. Uh, being that the Rebels swept New Mexico, they are going to have tiebreakers over them. So, yeah, I mean, the Reno loss sucked. I predicted that the Rebels would lose that game to Reno, uh, but I, I I guess I underestimated how well they were going to play, uh, and I, I think they'll have a shot. I don't think this team really cares about playing on the road versus at home. Uh, often they've played their best games on the road, so I'm not sure that home court advantage is even a thing for this team. Uh, so I guess we'll see. I did want to comment a little bit about some of the, uh, Twitter fan drama that occurred today on UNLV Twitter. So today there was a little bit of drama, uh, regarding DJ Thomas, uh, and his, uh, foot injury that he has been dealing with all year. Um, if you watched the games in Florida, which I'm guessing a lot of Rebel fans didn't because neither of them were very entertaining games, the, the game where they lost uh, to a mediocre Florida State team and then a mediocre Richmond team. Uh, DJ did suffer a pretty nasty foot injury in that game. I was worried that he was kind of done for the season at the time. I was in full Armageddon mode. I thought the Rebels would have, uh, you know, a losing record on the year. Uh, but DJ apparently has been playing and walking around with a boot this whole season, basically ever since that injury occurred. That's not something that I knew about, uh, but the uh, UNLV basketball social media team posted a picture with him. I'm guessing they probably weren't supposed to, but they posted a picture of him in a walking boot walking around. I would guess that he has some sort of you know stress injury that uh, he can play through, but they want to make sure that when he's not playing, he's not putting any uh, additional stress on it. Uh, I've seen him limping around a little bit throughout the course of the year, so that would make sense. Uh, but there was basically a criticism on Twitter about uh, Las Vegas media. The two guys that were singled out were Mike Ramallah and Steve Cofield. Uh, there was some 
I guess drama is the right word, but it's kind of childish to put it that way. But there was some drama about those guys not reporting on DJ's injury. Uh, part of me gets that, you know, a lack of transparency is not something you like from B reporters, although Cofield isn't technically a B reporter. Grimala is. Um, however, I don't really mind teams not knowing about DJ's injury because maybe that's some sort of competitive advantage. Ultimately, it's not really that important to me as long as DJ is playing and he stays healthy. Uh, I'm a big fan of DJ, and there's a few people that sometimes I feel have gone uh, a little overboard on their criticism of DJ. He is supposed to be in high school, and I think he's been about as good as you could hope an 18 player, an 18 year old player to to be. Has he had some bad moments, namely the St. Mary's game, um, the Reno game, they're, they're, the Southern game to start of the year was a very bad performance from him. Yeah, he's had bad moments, but a lot of that's growing pain. And I would rather put, if you're going to put blame on players on this roster, put them on fifth year or seniors, guys like what Justin Webster, the Boone twins, Luis Rodriguez, those guys have been through it. DJ hasn't. And so uh, when it comes to criticizing the media, I'm you can criticize the media all you want. Um, you can criticize the players too, although I, I think making it personal uh, sometimes goes a bit too far. Uh, however, I'm not one to tell people how to fan. If people love UNLV sports, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try and gatekeep them. Um, and going after the coaches is always fair. They get paid. They, you, you can criticize the coaches all you want, and in basically any way that you want, even if that criticism is unfair, in my view. So yeah, uh, basically, a person uh, running mass hole. He deleted his accounts. Hopefully, I actually like the guy. I think he's a good guy. I love his passion for UNLV sports. I don't agree with everything he says, but um, I hope he comes back. He ended up deleting his account after uh, UNLV basketball. I think we think that he deleted his account, but um, after UNLV basketball kind of quote tweeted uh, him talking about DJ's foot. So ultimately, none of this stuff really matters. I just want people to love the Rebels. I want to be a voice uh, that people can come to to vent their frustrations about the team uh i have laid into kevin krueger plenty of times this season tonight's not the night to do it uh, i did it after the reno game i don't need to rehash that tonight uh we will evaluate kevin krueger's position as a head coach at the end of the season and ultimately eric harper the athletic director who i trust until he proves me otherwise the guy that hired barry odom the incredible football coach at unlv i'm going to trust that guy Whatever he decides to do, whether that bring be bring back Kevin or bring in somebody else, I'm going to trust him. And I just want everybody to love the Rebels. I want everybody to support the Rebels. Um, not even always because they're good, but because they're ours. They're they're our team. This is the most Vegas of all of the teams uh, in the Vegas metropolitan area. They were here before the Knights. They have the most history of any team. And just having somebody that's yours, you know, a team that's yours, I think is worth investing in, even if that team doesn't always give you what they want. I mean, if we, if we all want, if we wanted to support winners, we would just be Kansas fans every year, but we're not, we're UNLV fans. And there's something, you know, you could call that noble masochism, uh, but there's something great about being a rebel fan. And if you're part of this community, I want you to be part of this community. I want you to DM me. If you want to come on the podcast, I am more than willing to have anybody on this podcast that loves Rebel, Rebel Athletics, whether that be primarily football or basketball, whatever. Come talk. Let's create a good community here. Anyway, I'm rambling enough. The Rebels got a great win. They avenged their Air Force loss. No pitchforks tonight. No rioting tonight. 
uh, we can all rest easy and get ready for a big one at the Thomas and Mac on Saturday. So my name is Jason Kelly. This has been the Let's Run podcast. I want to thank you for listening to the very end of this podcast. If you could subscribe to my Substack and uh, share the podcast when you get a chance. Uh, if you want to come on the podcast again, DM me. Uh, this is a place for UNLV fans. I am not, you know, I, I go to UNLV. I'm a law student at UNLV, but, you know, I, I will never be paid for doing this. I just love the Rebels. And if you're a Rebel fan, you're, you know, you're my friend. So I uh, hope you have a great night and a great rest of the week. And let's run.